I strongly believe that entrepreneurs are going to change the world and follow me on this. So I don't want to go invest in Red Cross because I don't think it's ran as an entrepreneurial business. To me, it was ran as a charity and organization. I follow guys like Dan Fleischman who run the Model Citizen um, Fund. And he said, I'm going to go build a business that actually funds my charity so that all the staff are on my payroll for my other companies so that any dollar you put into the Model Citizen Fund gets donated out. Yeah. And so those, I mean, it's, it's, again, we're not talking Red Cross. This isn't the biggest charity out there. That's a yeah. pretty big charity. Like he's doing a lot of work through there. It's a full organization. He's called it, I think it's called the Zero Sum Net Profit uh, Prof Charity. Um, and basically what it is, is that he has no overhead for his warehouses, for his staff, for his employees or anything like that. Cause it's all paid for by another business. Yeah. That's why I truly believe entrepreneurs and this method we're talking about are going to change the way that uh, businesses are ran and the way that nonprofits are ran. Why can't we fund nonprofits with our businesses so that they can go take donations in and a hundred percent of it goes in. Yeah. And does that. And that's what we talk to our, uh, the people that we support with saying, guys, we don't care if you use our money to pay your staff. That is yeah. part of our mission. Yeah. We want to take care of your charity and the way that we can donate consistently every single month, they know that they can expand their staff a little bit based on the donations we bring in so that they can go out and get a greater reach to get more audience, to raise more mm-hmm. capital, knowing that's a hundred percent getting donated in. So uh, I would encourage everyone to just look up uh, Dan Fleischman's, uh, I think I think it's called the um, Model Citizen Fund because it is exactly how everybody should be building charities going forward and the only way that they're going to survive. Hey, it's Matt. Whether it's time, money, or both, giving back to our communities can be said to be at the very heart of the entrepreneurial spirit. And if there's one thing COVID-19 has given us besides curbside delivery, it's a magnified spirit of giving. And if you're a Forbes reader, they say that 89% of entrepreneurs give back monetarily and 70% give back using their time. But if you're like most entrepreneurial companies and you're wondering how on earth to balance running a profitable business with an altruistic attitude, you've come to the right place. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we're going to dive into the who, what, and where of running a for-purpose business. We're going to cover things like who can start a for-purpose business, what are some of the best causes that need your commitment of either time or money, and in some cases, both. And we're even going to get into where to expect some resistance and how to handle it. By the end of today's episode, our guest entrepreneur is going to answer all of these questions and so much more. My name is Randy Molland, and I am a real estate investor up here in Canada. And we also run a movement and company called Go Big, Give Big that has now turned into a podcast where we're inspiring others to go bigger with their dreams and goals so they can give bigger with their profits. My dinner table was uh, very family orientated. So uh, going back in my story a little bit, uh, I lost one of my younger brothers growing up to sudden infant death. And so he was about seven months old when he passed away. And How old were you? My, I was three. Okay. And so my dad was working very hard at the time, trying to beat the grind, but wasn't spending much time at home. So when my brother passed away, he said, you know what? 
I'm not going to hit the grind anymore. I'm going to just be steady Eddie, but I'm going to be a part of my kids' lives as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was already a stay-at-home mom. So growing up, uh, my parents were very involved in my life. And so our dinner tables were very much the same. Uh, we'd sit down, we'd talk a lot about life, uh, talk about our days. We had dinner every single day at the table, uh, homemade meals because we were a you know lower income family. So we couldn't mm-hmm. afford to go out and eat too much luxury, uh, but very much a family orientated uh, dinner table coming up a little bit too young for me in the sense that I was about three or four. Uh, I've talked to my dad a lot about it now. And just the the sense of he was uh, out doing some real estate stuff, trying to uh, basically turn over low income properties uh, mm-hmm. as much as he could. And uh, they would go in and work 24 hours straight on turning these properties as fast as they can for the government. And uh, wasn't much involved in my life at that point because I was so young. Uh, but what it did for me growing forward was that my dad was very present for mm-hmm. everything for me, uh, from, I would say about the time that I remember playing sports and going to school conferences and stuff like that. My dad was always involved in that. So my dad, I watched my dad grow up in a single income family and we were low income. So it was always hard watching him having to struggle to grind, to make it work. And when I turned 16 and was able to like 14, 15, I was watching my friends starting to get more material stuff. And I wasn't able to, we weren't able to get those nice things. Mm -hmm. And so as I watched that, I was like, why don't we have this? Like, why am I in a low income position? I don't want this anymore. So as I watched that unintentionally, I created this mindset that I'm going to work harder than anybody else. I'm going to grind harder than anyone. I'm never going to have this position where as, and as I was, you know, I was 16, I was still trying to program my brain to understand what was going on. But as I started talking to my parents more and learning about how my dad always told me, you know, if you have the opportunity to grow faster before you have a family, you have the opportunity to create a better base or foundation. And that's where they were, you know, he was, they're fairly young. They're, I think they were 21, 22 when they started having kids and getting married. And so when, when you start a family that young, you can't really build a huge foundation. He tried to do it while he was having a family and couldn't do it. So the, the inspiration I got from my father was that I watched him struggle trying to just live on a single income family. And he always told me, be something bigger, do something more, gamble it all in before you have a family, before you have kids. And then you'll be able to build that foundation to continue to grow that and have that success and still be present as a father but still be able to provide for the family. My dad, uh, my family comes from trades. So my background is actually in trades. So uh, my dad uh, is, he has like four or five different trades tickets along the way. All my cousins have their trades tickets. So the inspiration for me starting out into uh, the construction world was them. Uh, And then I was lucky enough to start as an electrician when I was 15 years old Uh and get uh, completed through all my tickets and running a huge crew by the age of 22. So I was very lucky to get that experience in early. And then uh, getting into real estate was uh, in my electrical space, the guy that mentored me and brought me up along the way. Uh, We bought houses together. We were going to buy our company together. And uh, just after I just purchased my first home, uh, unfortunately, he passed away on a job site accident. Oh, wow. And so I lost one of my best friends, my future business partner, and somebody just bought houses with within the same few weeks uh, and mentor. And we spent basically, you got to think the trades world is pretty crazy. When you're working out of town or with somebody, you're with them eight to 10 hours a day, five days a week. You're with them more than a lot of people. And especially when you get that attached to somebody. So it was a hard loss. And in there, um, I decided talking to my father and a lot of other people, like, 
what do I want to do in life? What's the next big move for me? And so uh, my dad said to just go all in on whatever I want to do next. And at the time I had a counselor and I said, he said, what's the best thing you've ever done? I said, I just bought a house. And he said, why don't you buy another one? I said, because I have no money. I'm 24, 25 years old. I don't have, I just spent my life savings to get into this property. And he said, cool, we'll go home and Google how to go buy another home. And just use that as a thing to distract you and motivate you to do something different. So I came home and just Googled how to make as much money as you can and never work again. And I found real estate investing. And that's actually how I got into real estate. Uh, I was just Googling how to uh, make as much passive money. So I never had to work again. I Googled how to make money, never work again. Got into real estate investing. I did the whole bigger pockets, rich dad, poor dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, learned all about real estate, but then I uh, got into one of the free seminars that they run. Uh, it was a company called Keyspire, and then they run a three-day workshop, and then they run and sell you into the back-end mentorship. And at the time, I had a really good mentor uh, that I was wiring uh, houses for. He had a bunch of rental properties, and so I told him, "Like, I'm going to wire your houses, but I want you to start teaching me why you're doing this, oh, how cool. you're doing this." And so uh, we kind of had a little bit of a relationship. After I did the free training uh, for this course, I was like, wow, that's really cool. Math is very easy for me as an electrician. That's basically like all schooling was. And then, so I said, I'm going to go to the three-day workshop. It's like $1,000 or something like that. And you could bring one of your friends. So I reached out to one of my buddies and was like, dude, this is crazy. We have to go learn how to buy real estate. Uh, reluctantly, he came and uh, we sat in the room. And in the room, um, the guy that was facilitating, he sat there and said, He obviously taught some stuff for a few days, but one of the questions he asked was who here wants to do all the work for properties and renovate them and manage them and do all this stuff and be the active working partner. And about half, just maybe a little over half the room raised their hands. And then he said, who here has money or wants to refinance their home and just invest in properties and not touch, you know, the, a tool, not deal with a tenant, not do anything. And about half the room raised their hands. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my buddy and said, that's it. That's those are the people we need to talk to because they're the ones that are going to fund us to go do what we do. And that was the start of our real estate journey. So after that, we started a monthly meetup. We basically went and collected all the names of the people in the room, said, hey, we want to start a meetup. Would you like to come and attend? Um, And we also signed up for the program. So we spent $15,000 on visas and credit cards to get into the game and start learning. And what that did was unlocked a big network of people for us. And so uh, we started this monthly meetup and continued to uh, grow and expand it uh, within our network, uh, which allowed us to get a lot more... um, uh, allowed us to get some credibility in the mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. It allowed us to stand at the front of the room and facilitate, even though we were not experts, we had each only bought one property. We would bring in mortgage brokers, real estate agents, accountants, lawyers, and we get them to speak and train, but we gained the authority. So at 25, yeah. 26 years old, we were able to gain uh, attention from people and trust by being at the front of the room. And then uh, from there, we were able to start and we went and found good deals. We went and raised capital. They'd qualify for the mortgage. They'd put the down payment. We'd run the property and we'd split 50-50. And we did three of those in our first four months. And then we found another property that was a a fiveplex and we ran the numbers and we had one investor in our group that we knew was like, at the time, a whale. We're like, this is the guy. This is the guy we need to pitch. And it was about a $900,000 property. And uh, we knew that if we put... Uh, a $200,000 rental into it, it would be worth substantially more. And so we pitched them on it and we pitched them on doing it cash. 
So uh, on our fourth property, we were able to get $1.1 million cash to go buy this property, renovate it, and then refinance everything back out. And he ended up having less than $100,000 in the deal. Wow. And uh, it was kind of our flagship property that got us off the ground. And then from there, gained a lot of traction and grew from that. Eventually, most of us reach a point where we want to share what we've learned or share what we've earned. For me personally, it's this podcast and also our masterminds. For today's guest, there came a pivotal point. Maybe you can relate. Yeah, the, we had a lot of success early on. In our first two years, we had done quite a few properties, raised quite a bit of money. Uh, we started to wholesale some development deals and uh, our meetup group was expanding quite fast. And it just became uh, unfulfilling for me. I remember sitting there thinking like, this is cool, but I'm not driven by, uh, it's ironically enough, I wasn't driven by the money. I was just driven by helping people. I just like, I looked at my parents and I said, if I can help anybody that was in my parents' position, get out of that position, that would be phenomenal. And um, then uh, one day I remember sitting there, my buddy sent me a podcast and it was a guy by the name of Cole Hatter on a guy by the name of Chris Harder's show. And it's called For the Love of Money. And I listened to it and it hit me like a ton of bricks. And Cole shares a story about how he was making a lot of success lost it all in the recession, went down to Mexico and just served, just helped people and found that he was the happiest he ever was. He also realized that he could make some donations to people down there and the money went twice as far and they were very grateful for just a loaf of bread. So he said, why don't I go back to the States, make as much money as I can and then just donate that money back to them. And so I heard that and it hit me like getting punched in the face. I was like, oh, like that is it. Like that's exactly the journey I'm going through. Like I hit success in real estate, not fulfilling me anymore. What excites me is helping people. What can I do? So then Cole was running a conference uh, in Vegas a few months later. So I went down to the conference and it was life-changing for me, understanding how to create a for-purpose business. So using your business to give back. So think Tom Shoes or Stella Beer does it or Ten Tree Clothing. You build your business with the intention that it is going to have a giving component attached to it. Mm -hmm life-changing. So I signed up for Cole Hatter's mastermind while I was there. And after uh, being involved in that community, we started understanding what the whole purpose was. So we came back up and we had a free meetup that we were running and we took that meetup and we started charging $10 at the door. So we went and got sponsorships for it to pay mm -hmm. for the room. And then we went and charged $10 at the door. And we said, Hey, we're going to donate hundred percent of the door proceeds. So you pay $10 to come in, you get to learn real estate, and then we're going to donate that money out. So at the time, we we're probably around 25 or 30 people mm -hmm. and not as motivated to grow it. It was doing its part. It was kind of there. We're flogging it out, but trying to, you know, we're selling ourselves. As soon as we added that $10 at the door, we went, wow, we just donated $250 this month to Kidsport Victoria. Incredible. Next month we did, you know, 300 bucks. That's cool. And we, my business partner and I looked at each other and said, why don't we go for a hundred people in the room and a thousand dollar donation? Like that would be the dream. Mm -hmm. And if we can consistently do that and all of a sudden we worked twice as hard, we grinded twice as much. Our community got twice as motivated. People started wanting to bring more people in. We publicly shared like, Hey guys, we donate $10 a month for this. We want to get to a thousand dollars a month. We need to fill this room with a hundred people. As we started putting more and more people in that room, our donations started to skyrocket. The community started to lift up. But what that did for our business was it brought a hundred people in to see what we were doing mm -hmm. without mm -hmm. us selling. Come check out our real estate program. It was, Hey, our buddies run this event and they donate $10 at the door and you get to learn about real estate. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. And what that did for our business was just elevated so many more people to see who we are, what we were doing, 
built a lot more trust, a lot more authentication. We had Kids Board Victoria come in, share stories, and it just started uplifting more and more people to understand why they needed to start investing more and thinking more and getting away from not getting away from nine to fives, but adding secondary uh, revenue streams so they can actually start making an impact in this world. And we just built honestly the most badass community out there of yeah. people that just want to make a ton of money and do a ton of good with it. So at the time we were starting to get into some development uh, pieces at the time. And uh, we had a partner that was actually doing a lot of the building and they said, Hey guys, we've got some land. Would you be interested in raising some capital? So going back to the network we built through that first program we invested in and our meetup that we had built, we knew we had access to quite a bit of capital. Yeah. And so what we said was, yeah, for sure, we can start putting something together for you. So they invited us to come help uh, raise some capital for some of their projects. And when we tapped into our network, we didn't realize how big and deep we had grown the roots of our community mm -hmm. that believed in what we were doing. And they knew that what we were going to do was make more impact if they invest in our projects. So we attached some giving components to our developments that we're building saying, mm -hmm. Hey, once they complete, we're going to donate X amount of dollars to X charity. Mm -hmm. And when we started talking to people about that, we're getting people that are investing saying, Hey, we're going to match a portion of that donation ourselves with our profit from this project. Mm -hmm. We're going to do this. So from that meetup, it expanded and grew, built our, our network bigger. And then when we tapped into that network, the trust and belief was there that we we're going to continue to keep doing the good that we had brought into our meetup into our real estate business. Mm -hmm. And so more people wanted to invest in our projects. And a good example of this is you have two projects that return the exact same profit to you, the exact same timeline. One developer says, Hey, I'm going to make X amount of dollars. You're going to make Z amount of dollars. And that's it. Our projects, we say, Hey, we're going to make X amount of dollars and we're going to donate Y and mm -hmm. you're going to make Z and it's not going to change your profit. It's coming from our end. Which okay. project yeah. are you more likely to invest in? Yeah. If it gives yeah. you apples to apples returns, you're probably going to invest into the project that's doing good. No yeah. different than Tom's shoes. If you have the choice of wearing uh, a very similar shoe to Tom's shoes or Tom's shoes, you might buy Tom's shoes because you want to do good in this world. And yeah. that's what we're seeing as a trend in this space is people actually want to do good. So when our buildings, profits and developments are out there making a change or impact in this world, we're attracting the audience that we want to attract for the people that want to invest into uh, opportunities that not only make them insane amount of money, but know they're doing good in this world. So uh, what we like to do is share what we're going to do from our side. And we build it in as a line item. We say, Hey, inside of what we're taking as the GP partner on this project, this is how much we are going to donate, whether it's a procession percentage or a fixed amount mm -hmm. to a charity or cause. We offer all of our partners to join us mm -hmm. in either their own charities or in the charities that we're working with. And that's also opened up a lot of doors because I, I would say this is becoming the future. Like if you're not giving back, you're going to get left behind. That's yeah. kind of a tagline that we've been using quite a bit now. And when lenders are starting to look at projects, they don't care about the giving Kona, but they do care about us, the socially responsible environmental stuff that go into the projects. So what are you doing? Not on a uh, direct cash giving, but what are you doing to build greener stuff, more affordable housing, uh, supporting more people in the community with it. Are you building parks with it? So on some of our projects, we might take some of the capital and go build a park in town. That's just out of our will, not yeah. as a, not as a bit to try and slew them so we can get more 
doors. It's like, hey, no, we actually just want, we have an allotted amount, a line item that says we're willing to donate. How can we help the community? And that's fast tracking us through development permits, through other things. Uh, it's getting more people on board. So it's really helping in every different aspect of our business. Uh, a, raising capital, B, going through uh, councils, uh, C, getting financing, everything we're doing, people are just buying into what we are creating and wanting to be a part of it. That's another big thing is that uh, even the partnerships we're creating, the developer we partnered with started out just capitalist. They are now for a purpose where they're donating tons of cash of their yeah. money uh, on, they have other projects as well. And they're now donating tons of projects and cash outside. And so now other project managers are coming to us saying, how do we work with you guys so we can start getting that same publicity, that same excitement, yeah. that same kind of giving component in our buildings to do the same for them. A lot of it depends on different things. So we run a mastermind as well. So we donate a fixed price from every membership. So our membership price, when we calculate how much profit we want to make from the company, mm -hmm. we include a fixed amount into our membership price. So every member that signs up, a portion of their membership gets donated out Got and that's it. a fixed price. And we build that into our calculations. So we know we're going to have 60 members and this is their price. And in that price is calculated a giving component. So yep. that's one way to make it very simple and easy for us. So we don't have to try and calculate how much profit we made in the year and this and that. It's like, no, the more members we put in, the more we donate. Same with our meetup. Yep. Developments will say, hey, they vary so much that right. sometimes we might make a hundred grand. Sometimes we might make a million. So yeah. sometimes in those type of situations, uh, again, depending on the project, and this is just our personal beliefs of certain projects we try and attach to certain charities. So one, we said, hey, we'll donate a portion of this percent or a percentage of our profits to this charity. Mm -hmm. Another one, we said, hey, we're going to go build a school in Nepal. So we're going to allocate, we know how much it is to build a school there. So that's a fixed amount that we're going to go build that school. So this property here or this building that we're building is going to go build a school in Nepal. So there's, there's different parts of the giving side attached to different projects. So we're not consistently, it's not like, hey, we do only 10% of all of our stuff. We right. base it based on what we want to do, who we're supporting and the project themselves on what it looks like. We can make money. We just don't know where we're going to donate it. Like, who do we yeah. donate it to? So the first thing I say is find something you're very passionate about. So we donate most of our, the majority of our funds go to Kids Sport Victoria. That's because my business partner and I grew up in the sports world and we learned how to become leaders. We learned how to get a good work ethic. We learned how to do a lot. So we strongly believe that what we have in business today is because of the sports that we played when we were younger. Mm -hmm. And we know that kids, oftentimes uh, low-income families, can't afford to put their kids into sports. So we went and vetted and checked this charity that we donate a lot of our money to. Mm -hmm. And the, when we went there, we talked to the general manager. We talked to the staff. We talked to the people. And they're a smaller organization. And we learned what their salaries were. And mm -hmm. we said, guys, we're going to be very involved. We're going to promote you. We're going to donate a lot of money to you. We want to be involved. We need to know that you are the right charity for us. So we asked a lot of hard questions along the way. And we found out, you know, they were, they were taking a lot of interns in in the summer to do work so that they could keep their costs down so that they mm -hmm. could donate more for kids. They broke down how much, how much overhead they have on total projects, why they run certain events, certain events cover certain overhead for them. Mm -hmm. So this mm -hmm. event is so that we can pay our staff. This event is so that we can donate money. Every charity needs to pay people to come in. There's no yeah. doubt about it. It just, are you feeding a beast to have more employees and grow the name bigger? 
or are you in it to actually make more of an impact in this world? And when we talk to the charities that we talk to and the people we support, they're in it to make an impact. Another one we support is the International Network of Hearts, and they helped uh, sex traffic kids in Mexico have a safe house. Wow. Phenomenal organization. My buddy runs it. And again, we flew down there, we hung out of the orphanage, and we spent time with them and we learned what they're doing. And to me, it's more impactful donating to somebody that I know and that I like, I meet the kids that are going, that are getting put through Kids Sport Victoria. I know the kids that were in Mexico that I went and hung out with. I know the people that are, uh, some of our buddies are going building places in Nepal and he's told me stories of it and everything. So I'm very attached to them. I check one and vet as much as I can about where their capital is going, what their mission is, what their plans are, and do they genuinely care about making impact in this world? Or do they genuinely care about just getting a donation because they have so much overhead that they have mm -hmm. to cover? Mm -hmm. I strongly believe that entrepreneurs are going to change the world and follow me on yeah. this. So I don't want to go invest in Red Cross because I don't think it's ran as an entrepreneurial business. To me, okay. it was ran as a charity and organization. I follow guys like Dan Fleischman who run the Model Citizen um, Fund. And he said, I'm going to go build a business that actually funds my charity so that all the staff are on my payroll for my other companies so that any dollar you put into the Model Citizen Fund gets donated out. Yeah. And so those, I mean, it's, it's, again, we're not talking Red Cross. This isn't the biggest charity out there. That's a yeah. pretty big charity. Like he's doing a lot of work through there. It's a full organization. He's called it, I think it's called a zero sum net profit uh, prof charity. Um, and basically what it is, is that he has no overhead for his warehouses, for his staff, for his employees or anything like that. Cause it's all paid for by another business. Yeah. That's why I truly believe entrepreneurs and this method we're talking about are going to change the way that uh, businesses are ran and the way that nonprofits are ran. Why can't we fund nonprofits with our businesses so that they can go take donations in and a hundred percent of it goes in. Yeah. And does that. And that's what we talk to our, uh, the people that we support with saying, guys, we don't care if you use our money to pay your staff. That is yeah. part of our mission. Yeah. We want to take care of your charity and the way that we can donate consistently every single month, they know that they can expand their staff a little bit based on the donations we bring in so that they can go out and get a greater reach to get more audience, to raise more mm -hmm. capital, knowing that's a hundred percent getting donated in. So uh, I would encourage everyone to just look up uh, Dan Fleischman's, uh, I think, I think it's called the um, model citizen fund because it is exactly how everybody should be building charities going forward. And the only way that they're going to survive. From a high-level view, this all sounds like a pretty amazing movement, but there had to have been some challenges along the way. What were some of the toughest obstacles that you would say that you faced? So as you start donating a portion of your development profits out publicly, sharing it, A, some investors are saying, well, why don't you just give that extra money to us? Yeah, People that aren't as philanthropic as we are. So that's caused a little bit of trouble. They're just not the people I want to work with right. inside the space. People that are buying the, the properties or renting from the properties that we're donating from, again, sharing publicly, people might say things like, hey, why don't you just give that, that charity donation that you're making as discounts to people so that we can have more affordable housing? Yeah. And uh, especially going into our new fund uh, or our new idea, which is going to be donating $10 from every rental door that we have uh, to a charity organization every single month. So say we have a fiveplex. That first five plex we bought, we still own. This is the, the, the test pilot we're working it on. So that five plex donates $50 a month, $600 a year consistently, no matter what, as long as we own that property. When we started running this through some people in our network saying, hey, 
find holes in this, pick some flaws out. We want to scale this up and make it big. We want to create our own charity and, and stuff from it. Everyone started saying, well, if you're doing that, why don't you give $10 cheaper rent to your tenants? Why mm -hmm. don't you do X? Your tenants are going to be do that. And it just opened up a whole world that when you're excited and pumped, you're, yeah, we're going to change the world. We've created this new model. We're going to donate millions of dollars. It's going to be fantastic and amazing and all this. And then you get thrown in the face of people that have been there and done it being like, this is the hate you're going to get. This is the criticism you're going to get. This is what people think. Not everybody thinks like you and wants to operate like you. Yeah. And so that's something that we've had to actually adjust and pivot a lot of the way that we're focusing our new missions on of how do we actually want to publicly share it and, and who are we actually publicly sharing it to? Because we only want to share it to our audiences that believe in it and people that want to be inspired by it, not people that uh, will look at it in negativity. That, that is why I'm losing endless months of sleep at night right now <laughs> is trying to figure out how to combat that. Like, do we make this public and grow it and create a program around it where it is uh, landlords that donate a portion of the profits, get some sort of benefits, you know, maybe we can support their tenants in a different way. Maybe we offer up some uh, counseling to them or support to them, like mm -hmm. things that we can do. Now we talk a lot about in this space of, of low-income housing as well, a lot of my tenants are in the in the B class tendencies, B to yeah. B plus. And so they're pretty decent humans. So when you start actually getting decent humans in your properties, and granted, my portfolio is probably not as big as your property management and, and managing what you're doing, but the tenants that we have all know what we do. Mm -hmm. They all know we give back. And uh, so we've, we've dialed down, a, again, it's one of those things, you have this great idea that all your tenants are going to love you because you're donating and you're, you're the best property manager and you actually care. And a lot of what you and I talked about before the show, of like, we actually care. We're trying to make an impact in this world and because you rent from us. We're actually helping other people. And it sounds so great until you put yourself in the tenant shoes where mm -hmm. they maybe are eating ramen noodles this yeah. week because they could, because they had to pay you a fairly right. substantial rent and wish that that $10 was back in their pocket somehow. So it is a controversy that I haven't figured out yet. And it's something I'm working with some very smart people on to find ways of how to promote it, how to scale it and how to do it in a way that's public, but also private. Mm -hmm. And I will share this kind of ties in a little bit. The other kind of thing that we get told a lot of is you're not, you know, the old thing is like, don't share how much you give. You're supposed to just do that privately. Mm -hmm. As a business, we give publicly. We share mm -hmm. openly as a business what we do because it's a line item in our businesses. And we do it to inspire other businesses to do the same. We believe we can make more massive impact in this world by sharing what we do as a business mm -hmm. than by not sharing. Privately, what I do is very different. I don't share what I do privately. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows how much I donate, where I donate, or where it goes. So privately, I still give quietly. That mm -hmm. is my personal choice. I pick my charities. I choose what I want to do. I can donate a few hundred dollars to somebody that's just on the side of the street, or I can go give it to the Red Cross. That's me. Yeah. My business publicly gives, though. And that is meant to inspire. And that's also part of what we're trying to share right now is not that we're trying to boast about our giving. It's that we're actually trying to say entrepreneurs are the ones that can change the world mm -hmm. by using the businesses that we have today to support the people that might not have the skill sets or ability to go do the same thing. So if I can go put kids through sport because my business was successful and I have a brain that allows me to create the success that I'm creating for the families and kids that don't have that. That is my greatest gift in this world. And I want to share that with the world so that more people like you and I that think this way 
can make a way bigger impact and push out the scumbags that are just capitalists that mm-hmm. don't want to give back at all. That charities that are, you know, 90% goes to their operations and 10% actually gives back things like that. We are going to push them out of the market and allow good humans to come in and make the change. And we have to do that by sharing publicly what we're doing. Honestly, the biggest thing is just getting around people that are wanting to do it. So okay. you can go find a charity yourself. How I found the International Network of Hearts, I was in a mastermind, Cole Hatters, about giving back. One of the guys in there runs a charity. I said, tell me about your charity. And he started telling me and the passion he had for it and what it was. So that's why I learned about that one. Kids sport was uh, something that we were passionate about was sports. And we started talking to people of like, yeah, we want to start giving back. Who do you guys think? What do you think? And the common theme that came through everybody we talked to was this girl named Patty at Kids Sport Victoria. It wasn't like Kids Sport. It was like, no, this girl at Kids at Kids Sport Victoria, she cares so much about kids and yeah. your money will go miles with them compared to a lot of other charities. So we started asking around. So that's how we were able to vet and check a little bit was just our networks are able to put us in front of the right charities that they believe in. And then we vet and check them through other people. And then, like I said, the International Network of Hearts, there ended up being probably like a dozen of us from that mastermind that all built businesses that give mm-hmm. back to that one charity. Uh, and so we all are in support of it and we all promote it and, and inspire people to give back to that one. So that's how we're able to do it. It was just our networks of connections from people that are already doing the good work. I can tell you this was one episode, one guest that hit me really, really hard. This is absolutely at the core of what we believe as a company. And we're going to be taking steps in this same direction. So if you want to learn more, feel free to reach out, reach out to Randy. Uh, let's, let's all create this movement together and create a better world for us. And if you're interested in learning more about these types of topics, check out episode number 64 of Pass the Secret Sauce. Odds are, if you're hearing my voice right now, you may be a self-made business owner who feels like living the dream, but the problem is I'm completely unhappy and unfulfilled. And it's like, I looked at my life and I'm like, I should be happy. This is so frustrating. I sacrificed so much and I worked so hard to get to this point just to realize that I'm unhappy and I'm unfulfilled. Then yes, this podcast is here to help. My life goal, probably much like yours, is to leave a lasting legacy that mattered. On the Pass the Secret Sauce podcast, I share with you everything that I've learned and uncovered from other successful entrepreneurs about building a business and a life with the financial freedom that allows us to give back to others. Let's face it though, it's going to take years for me to share what I know and what I'm able to learn from others in these free weekly episodes. And the truth is... You know, here's the idea, it's fully fleshed out. No, the thing is, you're never gonna have a lightning bolt perfect idea. like. It always starts with little things. So if you are waiting for that lightning bolt to come, it's not gonna happen. You need to take action now. If you're really committed to leaving a legacy that mattered by improving your life and your business faster than you could solo, then I sincerely invite you to our Secret Sauce Mastermind. This is a program that I put together so that I can rub elbows with and learn frameworks and systems from extremely skilled and successful individuals. 
That way, every member, myself included, can shortcut our learning curves. Unlike many masterminds where content is static, we poll our members monthly to find out what the most common struggles are currently, and then we leverage our network and the power of the podcast to bring in experts to help brainstorm unique solutions to our problems. You'll be able to interact directly with our experts on live Zoom calls and also be able to reference our growing historical content library. As a group, we will guide each other through personal and professional challenges while you incubate your legacy in a group who understands not just your goals, but also what makes you, you. If you're interested in applying for the mastermind, simply email application at passthesecretsauce.com. With that, I hope you've enjoyed today's guest with Randy Mullind.